And so we're kicking it off today, loving God with all your strength, doing your best. <clears throat> I'm just going to preach about doing our best today. Uh, let's turn our Bibles to 2 uh, Chronicles 13. And uh, I want to share a time about uh, when I didn't really do my best. Like when I, you know, I, I try to do my best as much as I can. Uh, I, I have done over 50 productions, uh, theater productions. A lot of the musical theater, uh, some regular theater. And I've done, you know, professional theater and I've done not so professional theater. I've done really not professional theater. Uh, and around, I think it was between 2005 and 2008, I did a lot of work with Snug Harbor Cultural Center. And you guys might know that, you know, you've, they're on Staten Island. And um, they had a theater department there. And so it was mostly, I was working with the, mostly the same people for those four years. And I did a lot of, we did a lot of productions. We did, uh, what did I do? Mystery of Edwin Drood, Sugar Babies, Noises Off. Uh, you probably don't know it. There was one called Scrooge the Musical that I was doing. I was Bob Cratchit in that one. And my normal, the guy who normally directed, he was like my mentor. He was the artistic director. And he was not directing that one. He was like overseeing the production, but he wasn't coming to rehearsals as much. And so now I'm the kind of guy, like I, you know, he taught me kind of the, having that uh, standard. You know, you show up to uh, rehearsal and you're off book. And you know your choreography and you know your notes, you, you've learned your notes. And so we were up to the part where we were doing runs. And so I was playing Bob Cratchit. Bob Cratchit had like two songs. Uh, and, um, and, I was, and I was off book and I was, I knew my choreography, I knew my steps, and I had worked that day like an eight, nine hour day, and now I was in rehearsal, and I was a little tired, but I could get through it. I knew, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, and some of the stuff I marked, and you know, well, he was, he was watching that rehearsal, and he wasn't too happy with, I mean, there were some people that were off book, there were some people that were in worse, way worse shape than me, but he decided, for some reason, to single me out, and yell at me in front of everybody. <laughs> And I remember thinking, like, this is weird, you know. But at the end of the day, he talked to me. He was like, well, you know, he's like, I needed to talk, I needed to yell at somebody, and I knew that you could take it. But in saying that, though, John, you were not working at your best. Now, compared to other people, you were doing your best. It seemed like you were doing a great job, but he's like, I know you. And you weren't really giving your best up there. And it was really convicting. It was, you know, it was a little, it was a little angering at, at, at you know, a little bit, but I had, to, I had to admit that, you know, he was right. And sometimes we can make it look like we're doing our best, you know, because it's better than somebody else, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's doing our best, and God wants our best. So we compare ourselves with other people rather than comparing ourselves with who? Jesus. Because that's, that's why God sent Jesus. That's one of the reasons. Let's look in 2 Chronicles 13. Now, 2 Chronicles 13, okay, this worked before, okay, okay, let me get there, I'm using uh, this app to do this, and it's not help, not working, okay, so my notes are here, so now I have to go over here, that's alright, we got it, you know what, why don't you just bring it up on the screen, and I'll just read it off the screen, how's that? That'll work. Second Chronicles 13, verse 1. <clears throat> We're going to read about a king named Abijah. Now, probably most of you don't know who Abijah is. We're going to read about him, though. This is kind of a cool story. In the 18th year of the, region of, of the reign of Jeroboam, Abijah became king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem three years. 
His mother's, his mother's name was Makah, a daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. There was a war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Abijah went into battle with an army of 400,000 able fighting men. And Jeroboam drew up a battle line against him with 800,000 able troops. Abijah stood on Mount Zemaraim in the hill country of Ephraim and he said, Jeroboam and all Israel, listen to me. Don't you know that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, son of Nebat, an official of Solomon, son of David, rebelled against his master. Some worthless scoundrels gathered around him and opposed Rehoboam, son of Solomon, when he was young and indecisive and not strong enough to resist them. And now you plan to resist the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hands of David's descendants. You are indeed a vast army and have with you the golden calves that Jeroboam made to be your gods. But didn't you drive out the priests of the Lord, sons of Aaron, and the Levites, and made priests of your own, for your, of your own as the peoples of, the other, of other lands do? Whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may become a priest of what are not gods. As for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. The priests who serve the Lord are sons of Aaron, and the Levites assist them. Every morning and every evening they, burn, they, they present burnt offerings and fragrant incense to the Lord. They set out the bread on the ceremonial clean table and light the lamps on the gold lampstand every evening. We are observing the requirements of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken him. God is with us. He is our leader. His priests with their trumpets will sound the battle cry against you. People of Israel, do not fight against the Lord, the God of your ancestors, for you will not succeed. Now Jeroboam had, Jeroboam had sent troops around to the rear so that while he was in front of Judah, the ambush was behind them. Judah turned and saw that they were being attacked at both front and rear, and then he cried out to the Lord. The priests blew their trumpets, and the men of Judah raised the battle cry. At the sound of their battle cry, God routed Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. The Israelites fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hands. Abijah and his troops inflicted heavy losses on them so that they were, were 500,000 casualties among Israel's able men. The Israelites, one more verse, it's frozen. Well, that's the story. There's really not, not, I don't think we need the rest of it. So what's going on here? <laughs> what's going on here? That's okay. These guys work hard. Um, Abijah is the king of Judah. Jeroboam is the king of Israel. Now, these are both Jewish nations. Israel used to be one big country under David, but now it's split. And it's split into two countries. Now it's Israel in the, in the, in the north, with Jeroboam leading it, and, and Judah in the south, where Abijah is leading it. Now, Abijah is really trying to do what God wants. I mean, he lists a bunch of things that we are not aware of, like Levite priests, burnt offerings, ceremonial bread, all this stuff that's listed in Leviticus that we're not going to go over right now because we don't have time. But he's doing it. Jeroboam, on the other hand, is not doing it. He's got golden calves. Golden calves? He's worshiping golden calves. That's crazy. They're not supposed to be doing that. He should know, but he doesn't care. He more, cares more about his power. Abijah has no strategy. He's got 400,000 men, the guy who's doing what's right. All he's got is 400,000 men. Jeroboam has 800,000 men. If you do math, that's double the amount of men. 
So, no king in his right mind should go against the guy, by the way. If you have 400,000 men, I wouldn't advise going up against somebody with 800,000 men because it's not going to happen. But yet, Abijah does it. Abijah has not, he does not have the strength, nor does he have the strategy because when he gets on that mountain and starts preaching, like me, like, you know, he likes to talk, Jeroboam's like, oh yeah, sure, keep talking. And he sends guys around the back and they flank him. So that's not good strategy in military. I don't know if you know that. Military tactics. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no military leader, but I do know that when the two enemy troops, they're in front of you and behind you, that's not a good situation to be in. So Abijah has no strategy, and he's got no strength, and he's hopeless, and he's outnumbered. Have you ever felt that way? Yeah. <laughs> I guess you have. Um, but Abijah was really concerned about making sure that he was doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Right? And what happens? He only does one thing right, by the way. What does he do right? He cries out to God. And what does God do? He answers. And it says, it doesn't say, it doesn't say Judah routed Israel. It says God routed Israel. And how many casualties? 500,000. 800,000. Take away 500,000. Leaves 300,000. And that's what Abijah, that's what Judah did. Just because he cried out to God. That was all. Now, Abijah, pretty cool king, he's only mentioned twice in the Bible. This is one of those times. The other time, he's mentioned in, um, what is it, 1 Kings. Now, don't go there yet. Um, but in 1 and 2 Kings, uh, I don't know if you know this, but it, 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 um, it's some, 1 and 2 Kings summarizes every single king that lived from the time of after Solomon all the way to the times when the, when the kingdoms were taken over by Assyria and Babylon, uh, you know, in the end. So each king is summarized and like they give the main points. They kind of just do a quick, you know, synopsis of each king. And each king, the writer in Kings, what he does is he says this king either did what was right in the eyes of the Lord or he did what was not right. He did evil, right? Now, what do you think? Do you you know, just reading what we read cuz we're going to we're going to look at Abijah now through the eyes of 1st and 2nd Kings. What do you get what do you think? Abijah uh, was he, did he do what was right in the eyes of the Lord? That's what I would think, right? Yeah, sure, let's go there. 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 1. Because, you know, I, he had an amazing victory. That's, that's amazing. He had an amazing victory like Gideon and Elijah, who just put all their faith in God and trusted God. No doubt he's credited with what's, what's doing, doing right in the eyes of the Lord. So let's read it. 1 Kings 15, chapter Chapter 15, verse 1. Okay. In the 18th year of the reign of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, Abijah became king of Judah. And he reigned in Jerusalem three years. Three years. His mother's name was Makah, daughter of Absalom. He committed all the sins his father had done before him. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. Hmm. As the heart of David... Uh, as, as the heart of David, his forefather had been. Nevertheless, David's, for, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by raising up a son to succeed him, making Jer Jerusalem strong. How could this be? It says he was not fully devoted to God. Yet he had this amazing victory. I mean, it doesn't, something doesn't match up, right? Well, we're going to read some more, but just so you know, the reason was that best that he gave, which is way better than some of our bests, I mean... I've never defeated an army of 800,000 with only 400,000, I can tell you that right now. So that would be my best. But that wasn't his best. That wasn't his best. Let's read on, 1 Kings 15. Uh, 
chapter, I'm sorry, verse 9. <laughs> Ramon, you're doing awesome. Thank you so much. Putting a lot of pressure on Ramon today. All right, verse 9. In the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa became king of Judah. Asa is Abijah's son. And he reigned in Jerusalem 41 years. His grandmother's name was Makkah, daughter of Absalom, Grandma Makkah, we see her again. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as his father David had done. He expelled the male shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the idols his ancestors had made. He even deposed his grandmother Makkah from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah. Keep going. Asa, Asa cut it down and burned it in the Kidron Valley. So now we can see a little bit more. So what happened here? Well, Asa had to get rid of all these things. He had to get rid of male shrine prostitutes. He had to get rid of false gods that the people were worshiping in the land. When it, in the, that land was Judah, his land, his backyard. And his grandma, his, or his gra grandma Makkah, who was Abijah's mom, Grandma Makkah was worshiping Asherah. Decided to make a big pole, like right in front of every, God and everybody, like right there, you know. Worshiping Asherah in front of everybody. And what does Abijah do? He makes her, he gives her a political position. He makes her queen mother. Now what does Asa do? Asa comes into power and he's like, we got to get rid of all this stuff. This is, this is ridiculous. We got to get rid of these male shrine prostitutes. We got to get rid of these false gods. And we certainly got to get rid of grandma. I mean, don't get rid of your grandma, but this grandma, like, I'm sure he didn't, like, kick her to the curb, but he was like, you know what, you're not going to have, you're not going to have your queen mother title anymore, you're not going to have your title, you're not going to have this polls going, and I don't know if you know, the Kidron Valley, the Kidron Valley was, was located, centrally located, right, right in the capital, right there, so when he burned all this stuff in the capital, it was in front of everybody, like, it wasn't, like, off to the side, it was, like, right in the center of everything, so it was, like, Central Park, Imagine a bonfire of false gods in Central Park. That'd be crazy. Um, but that was what was going on here. Asa wasn't afraid or whatever. Whatever was, but see, Abijah had this great victory. I don't, I don't know what, what I'm, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm like, Abijah, what happened, man? You had this great victory. And I think that you could, sometimes when I have a great victory like that, I can like coast on that victory, like, you know, kind of feel good about that and then like kind of let, kind of let things go, you know? I don't know if you, um, if, you can, if you relate. But I think Abijah fell into the trap of comparing himself. Because when you think about the other leaders of that time, you had Jeroboam in the north who was doing all sorts of crazy things. He had, you know, he had golden calves that were supposed to represent Yahweh, but they really, you know, they really didn't. And they, you know, they had like the Babylonian king and the Assyrian king and the king of Aram, and they all were looking. They all had one thing in mind for their agenda was to keep their own power, to keep their own security. So Abijah had a little bit. He was a little bit different. He he put he really did put some of his strength into making sure that G, that um, that God was worshipped, but he wasn't fully devoted. Now Asa steps on the scene and we see what full devotion is. Why? Because he's not, he's not afraid to put, step on people's toes. You know? I'm always afraid to step on people's toes. I don't like to step on, you know, I don't like it. You know, I like to, you know, everything, I like to be everything be nice. You know, I don't want to, but that's not the kind of, like that's not, sometimes that's not who God calls us to be. Sometimes we have to step into a situation and say, wait a second, I don't, 
not that I don't like what's going on, but that I, I've read the Bible, and I see what you're doing, and I don't think God is going to like what you're doing right now. And people are like, you trying to tell me how to run my life? I'm like, no, 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 no. But I, because you're a disciple, I assume that you want the Bible to run your life. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah says it's not for God to direct his own steps. Listen, I don't know about you, but I really, uh, you know, when somebody says to me, do you want, you know, you know um, somebody says to me, like some, well, if I say to somebody, you know, are you trying to tell me to run my life? I'm like, you know something, I'm not really good at running my own life <laughs> sometimes, you know. I make a lot of stupid mistakes with my children, with my wife. I've made a lot of dumb mistakes in the past. And sometimes I think it would be a good idea to have somebody who especially knows the Bible to help me run my life. Not to, you know, I mean, they have their own life to lead. But to, have, to get with somebody week after week is a good idea. You know, um, let me go back here. You know, Acts 2.42 defines a disciple, right? I don't have to go there. We know it, right? What does it say about being fully devoted? Because it says Abijah was not fully devoted. What does it say about fully devoted? It says they wanted to, they, they, the disciples were fully devoted to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So are we? Are we devoted? Like, you have to really ask yourself, you know, sit down, have a moment of reflection. Say, am I devoted to the, the apostles' teachings? Well, what are the, the apostles' teachings are just the Bible, right? Well, are we devoted to it? Well, what does it mean to be devoted to it? Let's think about this. Does it mean, like, if somebody says to you, hey, what do you think of the Bible? And you say, yeah, it's a great book. You, you know, it's, it's the best book. I see, like, you see, like, you know, interviews on YouTube and stuff. And they're like, do you like, you know, do you like the Bible? Yes, I like the Bible. It's great. It's the best book ever written. And you're like, okay, that's great. And, and like, God, yeah, God is good. He's great. Oh, okay, amen. And then, okay, this, and then check that guy off because he says, yes, he's, you know, he's a Christian, you know. But is he devoted to the Bible? Is it enough to just say, yeah, I like that book. It's a good book. I like the book, um, what was that Dan Brown book? I don't know. The other one, the first one. Da Vinci. Da Vinci. I like that book. But I read it once. And I haven't read it, so I'm not really devoted to the Da Vinci Code. I can't say, I would never say that. I would never go on a, a poll and say I was devoted to the Da Vinci Code. But when, when, if you want to be devoted to something like the Bible, you have to be reading it every day, right? If you're, if you're going to be devoted to it, you have to be reading it every day. You have to be figuring out, how can I apply this to my life in areas as such? My marriage. Because I've, I've learned that when I apply it to my marriage, my marriage gets better. Or if I apply it to my, you know, to raising my kids, then that goes better. It really does. Like, I'm not, even, I'm not even making this up. You know, some of you know. What about prayer? If I devote myself to prayer, it'll get better. Sometimes, I'll be honest, guys. I'm just going to tell you. Sometimes uh, I pray, and it's just like a, a complaining session. I don't know if you ever, can you relate to that? I'm just being honest here. I just, I'm like, wow, you know, I've just complained about everything in my life. I'm very negative. I can be very negative. Um, and I haven't really praised God. I haven't said, like, you know, how great he is or anything or how, or how much, how grateful I am for, you know, the whole dying on the cross thing. Didn't even mention that. But I'm so busy. I'm so focused on, like, what's going on with me and the fact that I can't, you know, afford this or that or, or whatever is going in my life that... You know, and, and that's, that's not, like, when I let that go and just do that day after day, yeah, I pray to God, but am I devoted to prayer? Not really, because I'm not working on this relationship with God. And plus, when I do that, it makes, it makes it worse than it does. I don't feel better after I pray, you know? 
What about fellowship? You know, that's something I want to park on here. You know, are you devoted to the fellowship? Because sometimes, I know some of you, get, sometimes, sometimes you guys will go and you'll, you'll share your, your faith and you'll say, yeah, I have a great fellowship. Oh, you do? Yeah, it's great. Oh, we have, we have a great children's ministry. We have a great music ministry. Yeah, the guy who leads it is handsome. Good, you're paying attention. Okay. See, if that didn't get a laugh, I'd be like, either I am handsome or they're not paying attention. So you're paying attention. Okay, good. So, yeah, so you, you, know, you, you, you brag about the fellowship. You're, you're excited about the fellowship. You know, there's one time when um, John Bean was here and uh, I was leading the, the, the music ministry and I didn't want to lead the music ministry anymore. You know, I've been, I'm like, I've been doing this for like five, six, seven years at the time, I think it was, and I wanted, a, I wanted a break. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I said, you know, John, I, I just don't want to, you know, I, can you give this to somebody else? Dan, remember, Daniel ended up leading the music ministry for about, I don't know, a year or so. I don't know how long it was. And John kept asking me, you know, could you just please come back and help us out and do this or just be part of the music ministry? So I was like, okay, I'll be part of the music ministry. And I, at the time, I had very spiritual decisions why I didn't do it. If you ask, I don't remember what they are, but... If you asked me then, I would have had a lot of spiritual decisions based why I didn't want to serve. I think there was like something about being wise and something, I can't remember. I should have written it down, honestly. But I didn't write it down. And I look at it now and I think, wow, you know, the only reason why I didn't do it was probably because I was selfish. I'm, I can be very selfish too, I don't know if you knew that. Um, and that's what was going on then. Um, you know. Some of us, when we say these things about our church, and I, I'm so glad that we do say these things about our church, but we don't stop and think, okay, what does that mean for me? You know, right now, like, we have a huge children's ministry, and that's great. I love children. I mean, I have two of my own. And I, and I, I think that we want to teach them how to be like Jesus. We want, to, want them to grow up and, 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 you know, look back on their days at church and go, oh, wow, I really enjoyed those children's classes. I really enjoyed the children's ministry, and this and that, and, and to take that into their adulthood. But, you know, right now, we're having trouble finding teachers. <laughs> so much so that what they end up doing, you know, I don't know if you know this, but what, what happens is when, when um, people say, I don't want to teach, and they can teach, but we still have like five or six spots available, then what ends up happening is that they ask people who are already doing stuff. So they ask like John Perez and Ramon and, you know, people that sing. And what happens is those people who are already doing something have to do something else. And so the, the, the music ministry that you brag about and, the, and everything that you brag about, get, they don't do as well because everybody's trying to do everything. You know, and I just want to, you know, like guys like John Perez and, and Nick Despiel, I'm really grateful for because these guys, you know, John, John and Nick they, and, and Lewis, they get here at an hour at least before. But they get here, but at 9.30, 9.30, right? No, no, but 9.30, you are at the storage, yeah. They go to the storage facility to take sound equipment out of a basement up some steps and put it in Lewis's car, and then they drive over here at 10, because I'm a slave driver, I want them here. And so, <laughs> and so they get here at 10. So, to, you know what I'm saying, like, that, that's like, I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I just want to brag about them. I mean, I'm just, so, I'm just so grateful for them, because without them, it would be me doing it. So... But, you know, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want us to imitate that kind of heart. You know, I, I don't know everybody's situation. I know there's some people that can't teach in the children's ministry. So I want to be, be sensitive to that. But if you can and, you, and you're not, 
please do. <laughs> We, I, I want my, I mean, I would be, I, they, I've actually been asked to teach. And I said, you know, which is not, I'm not above it. I mean, I've taught, I love teaching. But then I said, okay, well, if, we, if I teach in the children's ministry, which I would love to do, but then will we have singing before and after the sermon? You know, if John and Lewis teach, will we have, maybe we should not have a sound system. Because sound system is not important, as, is important, I think, as teaching our children. I, you know, we could all agree to that, I think, right? If I put out a vote, I think we'd all say 100% children are more important. So you have to decide. You have to say, you know what, I, if I teach, because if you're not doing anything now, and you're like, well, if I teach, then I, we can have a sound system. Then we can have a music ministry that, that, that's singing parts and that's learning different things and learning new songs. But if our focuses are split, we can't do it. This is our church. If we're not fully devoted, if we're not doing our best, who will? And when I say teach in the children's ministry, here's another thing. I, I'm not really selling this very well. If I say teach in the children's ministry and you just show up with a snack, kids love snacks, don't get me wrong. But if you don't show up with a lesson, that's not doing your best. If you don't show up with something that you can impart to them, that's not doing your best. That's not being fully devoted. And we want to, the, the title of this sermon is Loving God with All Your Strength. And I really want to do that. And I, I'm not, I'm, I haven't figured it out. I don't know, I don't know how to do it. But I have, I have learned some things in terms of fellowship. Like, okay, I, you know, uh, you know a, a preacher used to teach me, you know, John, you got to see the need. That's what he trained me to do. And I can walk into a room now and I can see a need. But it's only because I've trained, I've trained myself to do it. It's only because I've wanted to do it. We could walk into a room and see a bunch of guys like doing stuff with equipment and tr learn. And it's like, yeah, you know, okay, that's great. I don't, you know, I, I don't have to do that. And it's like, but wait a minute, why not? It's your church too, you know. Um, I want to be more like Asa who steps in and says, look, we got we got he took control of the situation. He wasn't afraid to step on people's toes. You know, don't be afraid to step on people's toes. If you're harsh, don't worry, you'll get rebuked and it'll be okay. <laughs> it'll be fine, don't worry about it. You know, and it's, and I, you know, I love, like, like, I remember that there was a time when rebuking was really, really harsh. Now it's not so much, you know? I mean, the rebukes now are like nothing, you know? It's like, okay, all right, we'll fix it. You know, and I want to fix it, you know? If you step in and you say, hey, John, you know, you know some, some people in, in the, in the, um, in the congregation are way more trained at being a music ministry leader than I am. I'm really not trained. I have no degree. I mean, I have a, I have a theater degree, but I, I don't have any business teaching them parts. I make do, you know? I make do with what I know. You know, maybe you're not skilled enough. It's okay. God doesn't choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. Maybe you're too busy. You know, I've had people tell me that they were too busy. And it's like, okay, that's, I guess you're too busy, and I don't, I don't, know, I don't know the, the circumstances. I really don't. But you have to sit down. Like, this is all about self-reflection. Like, all the things I'm telling you right now, I, it's not, there's no black and white answer. Like, you're not serving, so you need to serve. Every situation is different, and I understand it. But it takes self-reflection. It takes asking people advice and saying, listen, you know, do you th I really want to serve in this way? Like, is it possible? How could I? I've actually asked people, look, look. Do you think I could serve in the children's ministry? And if so, how? Like, could I teach? Could somebody, like, how would we do this if this was going to happen? Maybe we don't need to do songs during the sermon. I'm, you know, before and after the sermon. Is that cool? I'm fine with that. Would other people be fine with that? And then I could help. 
You know, but let's ask for advice. Let's not decide, let's not make any hasty decisions. If you don't know if you can serve or not, but if you're too busy, then I ask you, if you're loving God with all your strength, where is your strength going? You know the times when I've been too busy? Most of the time, um, I was putting my strength more in something else. And, you know, what was it, the, the scripture, where your treasure is, there your heart will be? Well, where do you want your heart to be? Where does God want your heart to be? You know, I mean, yeah, I want, we, need to be, we, need to, we need to go into our jobs and be the best at our jobs. You know, we need to go to, you know, be, you know, go into situations where there's a bunch of parents and we need to be such good parents that other parents are like, wow, you know, I see your, parent, your kids, how do you, you know, can you tell me some more, give me some advice. And then you could be like, yeah, let's look at the Bible. And then you share your faith, you know, I mean, that's how it's done. You know, but do, are, we setting, are, we, are we setting ourselves up so that God can, can bring that victory like that? You know, I'm not, most of you know, I mean, I'm not paid for, I'm, they don't pay me to do the stuff I do. I'm like, I'm just like you. Just a regular average Joe, you know, trying to, you know, trying to do this uh, Christian thing. Um, here's a situation where a man felt like loving God with all of his strength, but he, saw, he thought it was impossible. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Because sometimes I can feel that way. I mean, I don't know about you. Like, I sit here, I'm like, wow, you know, I, how, am I, how, am I, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do all this stuff and do this and do that and be a father and be a husband and be a parent? Sometimes it can be very um, overwhelming, you know. Uh, especially teaching children, you know. It says the world tells us, Oh, I'm sorry, what am I doing? I'm reading my notes. I should be reading this. Um, verse 16. Just, a man, just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit, to, to get eternal life? Why do you call me, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Uh, well, which ones? He inquired. Well, Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, all these I have kept since, you know, the young man said, so what, shall I, what do I still lack? And Jesus answered, well, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Well, when the man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. You know, that's a really hard teaching. I mean, let's just be honest. You know, Jesus says, give, Jesus told the guy, look, if you want to be perfect, give up everything. You know, if you want to be fully devoted like Asa and not like Abijah, give up everything. So, like, what does that mean? You know, let me, let me, Draw it in for you here. Jeroboam was not willing to give up everything. His, his agenda, and if you read more about him, there's a lot about Jeroboam. His agenda was all he wanted to do was keep his power. He was willing to do whatever it took to hold on to his power. He was not interested in the commands of God. Not interested at all. Not interested in the fellowship. Not interested in anything. He just wanted to keep his, he wanted to keep hold of what he had. Some, like, God doesn't want, God's not like, okay, you know, go sell everything, but 
my life, my, uh, this fellowship, my loving God has to be more important than any of that stuff. You know, I have to be willing to give all that stuff up. You know, am I? Are we? I don't, you know, it's like, it's, it, I'm starting to sweat just talking about it. You know what I'm saying? But you know some. that's what I want to do. That, and so like when I, when I think about like when somebody asks me to serve, you know, and they say do the, do the music ministry, please, you know, help us with the music ministry. I'm like, you know what, I want to make that first priority. You know, I've had situations, I had a situation recently where I got offered a job at a theater in um, the Catskills. And it was June, July, August, and they gave, they, gave me, they gave me some good money and they gave me some sweet roles. I was going to be playing the lead in 42nd Street. I was going to be playing, um, you guys heard, you know, you know Mary Poppins, right? I was the father in Mary Poppins, uh, the angry father. I was uh, going to be um, uh, in this All Shook Up musical, it was, it was, by, from, it was Elvis musical, I was Elvis's nerdy friend. <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. Um, and then I was also another role, uh, the lead in a, in a straight show. And uh, the, the, what happened was I, I was, I was really entertaining the idea of doing it. You know, I wanted to do it. It was from June 6th to August 20th. But I found out that obviously we're going to have matinees on Sunday, right? So 2 o'clock is the show start. I got to be there at 12. So I was like, okay, well, there, where's the church that's in the area that I could go to in like the morning? The closest church was Albany. Which is interesting, because that's like actually where Sheridan is right now. He's preaching in Albany. Oh, he will be at 1. But their service starts at 1. It takes an hour to get from the show to the Albany. So I wouldn't, there's no way. There was absolutely no way. So I had to say, I had to say no, I can't, I can't do it. I gave up that opportunity. Um, I told some actor friends about it. They were like, are you crazy? Are you nuts? You're just, that was a, like, that was a great opportunity. That was a great role. That, like, we don't get offered that kind of thing. Like, why would you, what, what is wrong with you? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to not go to church. I'm not going to not go to church for three months. Well, couldn't you, like, you know, have a communion service at nine? No. I mean, you know, no. With, with just myself, you know? <laughs> me and the Catskills, praising God. You know, like, I, I mean... That's not church. That's not a fellowship. That's just me praying. You know, I mean, that's great. I do that, but you know, I, I didn't want to do that. You know, I, I mean, I don't. You know, I don't deserve a pat on the back for it. That's the least I could do after Jesus died for my sins. And the thing is, is that all these decisions that I'm making are better for me. It's. I believe that the decision I made is going to make me a better person. It's going to make me a better actor. It's going to make me a better husband. It's going to make me a better father. Because I want to be fully devoted. I read, I've read too many stories in Kings about different Kings that were not fully devoted, and I don't want to go through, down that path. You know? I just don't. How is it possible to love God with all your heart? Well, let's look at Abijah, what Abijah did in that very first story. He cried out to God. He was doing what God wanted, but he had no resources. He had no strategy. He was just some guy marching to war. The people that were marching with him must have been scared for their lives. They must have been like, we are marching to our death. There's no other way to, there's no other explanation. Sometimes the Bible asks us to do things that we just don't think we have the ability to do. Didn't stop Abijah when he was young. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I don't care what happens. 
I'm going I'm to worship God. I'm going to show God. I'm going to give God everything I have. He lost it somewhere along the, way, along the way. I don't want that to happen to me. I really don't want that. That's why the story is so important to me. It's because the longer I go, the more I do, the more I, be, you know, as I lead my life as, as a Christian, the more I find that, that, that um, temptation to be like, okay, I've done, the, I've done this enough, you know? Like, how, much, how many times am I going to have the same conversation with people? I can't do this because of church. I can't do that because of church. I'm going to do this. You know, you know what? I want to be fully devoted, and I want to do it until I die. It's possible to win this battle with only half the troops. You know, if you're not a teacher, that's okay. Become a teacher. If you're not a singer, just sing. You know, Nick Despial, I love him. He's had a great heart. But he's not, you can tell he's not fully trained. I'm giving him the notes. Hey, that's okay. That's all right. There you are. I was like, talking, to you, talking about you like you weren't even here. <laughs> he's awesome. I'm so grateful for him. Because, like, that's the kind of mindset we want to have. Let's go out there, let's, let's love God with all of our strength, but let's not, let's do it with strength that we don't even know we have yet. Let's just do our best. Amen?